Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matters. All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome, welcome. We got a... We got a we got a guest host today. We have uh, Central Coast Lending's very own Jason Van Dyke in today. Thank you. Good morning. You. Good morning. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Quite excited. Summer's over. Kids are back in school. Yeah. It's kind of a new grind now. Yeah. A little bit cooler this week. Yeah, it's been nice. The weather's been great. Some raindrops. A couple of them. Yeah. Not enough, but a few. <laughs> <laughs> well, some good flooding down south. I saw that. Uh, well, not flooding, but yeah, actually, yeah, no, California was, flooding. <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of odd to even say. Over right? an inch of rain in September made that like the uh, wettest September since 1906 or something down there. You think about that? Isn't that crazy? It's wild. El Nino's yeah. coming too. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of articles out there talking about get your property ready for El Nino. Yeah. Sounds like a professional wrestler. You know what? It? I was talking to a buddy of mine that paints. Uh huh. <laughs> professional wrestler. El Nino. El Nino. <laughs> Nino is back. You don't watch that wrestling stuff, do you? I don't. No. It's totally fake, right? It I is mean, totally. They're amazing athletes. I mean, there's some big guys doing some crazy things, but it's definitely scripted. There's no doubt. Yeah, and all those like the impacts and the way they fall on the big bouncy trampoline mat and all that. It's all. It's pretty fake. Yeah, it's like a soap opera. It's like athletic soap opera. I've watched the Today Show for years in the morning. Um, something we always did. I never really questioned it. And lately, it's just like gone farther and farther downhill. And now they have a guy that's like a professional wrestler is, was like one of the hosts or something. Hmm. I'm not aware They're of that. showing video clips of him bouncing off of the ropes onto people and stuff and i'm like this is the weirdest thing grown <laughs> men pretending uh, it's just the weirdest thing mm-hmm. entertainment Very trips odd. me out it's a lot of people love it no i have some friends that will travel to go see that hmm. they'll buy a ticket and go with a group of dudes to a thing to watch the two baby oiled muscle men you know hmm. act out the script because it's it's they they write out who's gonna win not only is it all not real, but it's sort of decided ahead of time who gets to finally like pin who? The match is Whom? almost this match is almost secondary now with all of the the storylines so that they try to pump in there. But yeah, it's uh, not my cup of tea. Not my <laughs> cup of tea. No, <laughs> me either. So what's Ex- new? What's new with you? Um. Been busy again at work, which I think is interesting. Um, I I never get used to uh, the way there's sort of a, a seasonality to um, even just and, and I don't mean, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, but I really mean 
when you're a loan officer or something like this, how sometimes you get, sometimes it's just steady for a period. And then sometimes you're overwhelmingly busy. Sometimes it gets a little bit slow. It's just, it's interesting to me how that happens. And, um, for the last two weeks now, I found myself smack dab in that season of being, um, quite busy. Well, that's a good thing, but don't you kind of, you get like the quite busy and then, I mean, maybe you are a little bit seasonal because doesn't it kind of slow down around holidays yeah. and stuff like that? There's definitely some of that. I mean, in years past, we used mm-hmm. to really, I mean, man, you you might be struggling with things to do in December and January. Yeah. Almost like people, home buyers, people getting home loans sometime right around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. say, yeah, enough of that. Yeah. You know, because who wants to sell Do you want to sell your house? In between Christmas and or Thanksgiving and Christmas, New Year's, that whole period. Not really. Not really. Not unless you yeah. have to. No, because you're going to have an open house, right? And people know. coming through while you're trying to be clean for the holidays or you have guests or whatever. And even if the holidays aren't that big of a deal, it's like rainy season. So you got like strangers coming up to check out your house and they're going to come through with their muddy mm-hmm. boots or whatever. So I think a lot of people just kind of cool it back right there anyway. Yeah. And then same kind of thing, regardless of whether or not you're going to celebrate Christmas. Um, generally, if you school age kids, they're taking a break from school. So they're around more and you want to spend that time with them. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like the right time to be, I'm going to start a major financial transaction this month. <laughs> yeah. We hear a lot of that. Uh, usually about mid November. Yeah. It starts getting going. You get, you hear a lot of, well, I'm going to deal with that after the holiday. Totally. A lot of after the holidays around that time. And you know, I mean, I think that's normal. I I feel the same way. I like to slow down a little bit that time of year too, but I'll tell you what, the last couple of years have been um, this, that part of the season has been lacking almost in its entirety because somehow or other rates keep getting cheap as we head into like November and December. And obviously we're a little bit too far ahead of that to be able to tell right now. But this week we, we learned a little bit about what interest rates are doing now. Um, I don't think it's any big surprise. I really think everybody knows that the, the feds uh, open market committee meeting was this week. And then uh, just two days ago on Thursday, Janet Yellen uh, had her little press conference where she kind of gave us some insight to what they talked about, what the sentiment was, what was decided. And, um, you know, ultimately they did not raise interest rates again. Yeah. What do you make of that? Uh, well, I think it speaks to what you're talking about as us being busy right now. Um, I think a lot of people sort of that cyclical, um, real estate, uh, market where the summer is very busy and it slows down when kids get back in school. I think that uh, there's been so much talk of rates going up that, uh, that people are fearful they're going to miss out. So yeah. I think that that, uh, that spurs on the, the the real estate market a little bit where people are maybe looking to take advantage of these low rates that we're seeing now. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. I was talking with the um, the realtors over at Patterson this week. I do the, the meeting over there every week and um, you know, the question was asked is like, so if the feds raise interest rates by a quarter percent this week, does that mean that every mortgage interest rate is going to go up from 4% to four and a quarter? And obviously, you know, well enough to know that that's not how it works. Um, and I, th- I kind of had it in my mind that regardless of what the feds did, we might actually see a little bit of reduction, even if the rates went up. 
And, um, you know, so we, we got to talking about that and said, here's why. Tell me if you think I'm crazy. I know you know a lot about the market and the secondary market, the way this whole thing works. But let's just say that it's Monday, okay, mm -hmm. this last Monday. I know the feds are going to meet on Thursday. Um, and for a living, you're the guy that uh, puts together offers for sale or buys mortgage-backed securities, if that's your business. Mm -hmm. um, on Monday, and for sake of round numbers, let's just say 4%. Is everything I got is at 4%. It's this security, $80 million security or... I mean, however big, big amounts of money, however you want to call it, uh, it's all at 4%. On Thursday, I know the feds are potentially going to change the interest rate. By the way, I mean, if I'm going to I'm gonna buy this thing for $80, $80 million or sometimes billions of dollars, I mean, sometimes we see $40, 50000000000 billion. So do I want to pull the trigger on this thing on Monday for 80 80 million dollars at four percent if i know on thursday the feds might just come out and say hey by the way everything's going up by a quarter now um no it doesn't change the interest rate on that mortgage right away but mm -hmm. it's all relative mm -hmm. it's almost like it's across the board mm -hmm. every industry is going to have their opportunity to deviate from it a little bit mm -hmm. you know but everything's going to go in that direction eventually it's how it's being tugged right sure so the answer is kind of i if i'm the buyer of your big security on monday um i'm certainly not going to overpay for it a little leery yeah yeah no, well, i'm going to come late. in cautiously actually and sure. and as the seller of the security you might even um try to fatten the thing up a little bit mm -hmm. just to know that hey this I don't want to get clobbered. You don't want to get clobbered. We're all pretty nervous because something might just change on Thursday. And if it does, and now the next set of mortgages, the ones that are all coming for the month of, you know, October, that next 80 million that's coming, or whatever the number is, is going to be all at four and a quarter. Mm -hmm. If you're buying a 30-year mortgage-backed security, do you want the one for 4% or would you like the one for four and a quarter? I might sit tight and wait. <laughs> <laughs> you want the four and a quarter that makes a big difference yeah. over time yeah so the, in that case i think and and you know and, and we kind of see this happen is that those traders begin to what we call build in the fat right right they start to it starts to say well because it could be four and a quarter let's start getting closer to that kind of start treating it like it already is so then on Thursday, when the feds came out and said, <clears throat> we're not raising that rate, it's going to leave it now. Um, and all the statements they made about the interest rate market being highly accommodative for an extended period of time. I mean, that verbiage was still kicked around. Oh, it's pretty wild. Very dovish. That being said, you know, what happened? We saw rates. They said, hey, rates are unchanged. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Mortgage rates went down a little bit, little dip. start coming down a couple days in a row. And yeah. I suspect they're probably going to shed a little bit more next week, too. And to me, that was kind of that that fat where it was like, well, we're not going to give away the farm because Thursday the environment could change. So they start adding a little in there. And then Thursday it did not change. So going to shed it back out. 
really means that this is a pretty good opportunities right now to get a home loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of started to say one of the reasons why I think I got busy again, not only I think it's just normal in our business that sometimes you get a little bit busier, but um, part of it is just people are recognizing that these rates are pretty good mm-hmm. and finally believing now that we're probably getting to the end of the feds having the zero to quarter percent interest rate, you know, at some point or other that goes up. Right. We've been talking about that for a while. <laughs> well, How it's long? Like, uh, uh, too long. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I guess it's good for long-term mortgage rates for sure. Um, and, and sort of speaking to what you had just said about um, banks sort of really leading the way. I mean, the smart money understands what's happening and what's going to happen. And for interest rates, they're not going to wait. I mean, there'll definitely be some adjustments and some volatility once the Fed actually makes a change. But the banks in uh, in creating that that buffer, when they talk about rates going up, the, the rates have already started to go up. And so we've already felt some of that rate increase towards the middle and end of summer. Um, and now that it's been pushed back, then we get a little bit of that back, knowing that we've got a little bit more time with uh, with no rate increases. So Yeah, you know, and I, probably most people would agree that the next real opportunity for the increase in rates now probably slides out to December. Um which interestingly enough is when the first of the tapering of QE3 was announced. So mm-hmm. all eyes on the December meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sort of gives us this idea that we got a little bit of uh, we got a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other piece of it too, why for the you know I said for the last few years we've sped right through that November and December slump. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reasons why is for um, for a variety of reasons, interest rates get kind of good in November and December. Um, it is, in my opinion, oddly coincidental that we've seen the Fed playing and talking and having meeting and you know stirring the pot up in November and December. But um, I'll tell you this, from a guy that used to run a pretty large wholesale mortgage company, um, that rate manipulation, that's how you, that's sort of how you control the volume into your shop. Mm-hmm. And when things get a little bit slower in November and December, see, I don't get to lay off my entire staff in November. I don't get to have everybody's, you know, hey guys, in December we're gonna we're gonna kind of just run half days. That doesn't work very well. Um, so how do you keep new business coming in? It's really a simple thing. Um, generally, you run some specials, mm-hmm. chop rates down a little bit, um, and even if the market isn't what's doing that for you, if you're not seeing any reason why interest rates should be going lower. You're always, you know, you have a profit margin, and and I would I would venture to argue that on the average loan, the profit margin is for yeah on the average loan I think the profit margin is somewhere around about two percent. So you say I can do a five hundred thousand dollar loan, company's going to make ten thousand bucks, okay? But it's November, this stuff's slow. I got my staff to pay no matter what. There's they're playing an awful lot of solitaire on my dime. Rather than keep the profit margin at two percent for the month of December, I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to 
I'm going to go to one and a quarter percent. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm nearly going to cut it in half. Mm -hmm. um, going to shine against my competition. I'm going to shine in my marketplace. Usually going to, you know, the word of mouth gets out that there's some great deals to be had. And it's a way that, yeah, you're not going to be making the same money per transaction. Mm -hmm. Really, if you're going to keep your staff busy, mm -hmm. keep everybody engaged, keep everything running, that's what you want to do. I call that one of the elements of self-preservation. So that's one of those things where if you're paying close attention in times like that, where the general public is their sentiment is like, nah, I don't monkey with financial transactions right now. Same thing like buying real estate or um, a lot of people will look for deals in November or look for deals in December. You have less competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know why it is you would pick to sell your house in December. Um, but if you're going to, you got to know that that's a little bit tougher time than August or July or whatever the normal peak month is. Um, a lot of people selling that time or, so are be, forced to. Yeah, they've got some it, reason. So that job change translates into to, a better deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So keep your eye out for that stuff. So now um, I always actually I look at these times like this where it seems to me that you could kind of get the best of both worlds. <laughs> so what do you suspect will happen with, uh, just let's look at a, a three month window once the Fed finally increases rates slightly. How, how much do you expect the long-term mortgage rates to jump up, knowing that the banks have already buffered in uh, some of that? Um, so are you expecting something dramatic or are you expecting maybe a, a little bit of uh, calmer waters um, where other people are, are maybe starting to freak out a little bit? I'm not, I'm not expecting anything too dramatic, honestly. I really think that what we're going to experience when it happens is um, probably an ease into it. Like, I mean, f listen, the first rate change is obviously the big shot across the bow. Right. Um, and I think this is really why the feds didn't raise rates this month is that there are countries... In the world right now, the global economy, as we saw this, the markets sell off this week because of some of the things the Fed's talked about in mm -hmm. their meeting minutes here. Um, things are just, there are countries that seem to be teetering. And if we raised our rates, we could literally just be pushing them off the edge. Yes. So in my estimation of it, I think that you've got this, uh, I don't know, this idea that if you're going to do that, if you're going to take some action in your country that's going to cause that, shouldn't you have like, I had no choice, my hand was forced. Mm -hmm. And in our country, really, what's that going to be right now? This month of September, it doesn't exist. Here's And here's what I think it is. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, I'm not an economist. But you would have to be able to say we had runaway inflation. I'm really sorry we had to push it up. We had runaway inflation. We couldn't keep track of this stuff. It was going crazy. And the only real effective tool we have at slowing inflation is the raising of rates. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have that. So how then do you justify it? Oh, well, we made a real proactive move. And we're sorry we left all, left all of you in our wake. But hey, is what it is. We're America. And we do what we want to do. I don't think that they were ready to do that this week. And I think that's a big reason why... They didn't. 
um, among other things. I mean, speaking, gen- speaking to inflation, I don't mean to interrupt sure. you, but I, I, I also have heard and been reading that that's one of the reasons why they think that this rate hike may be uh, farther down the road than what some people are thinking. Because we're still experiencing no real inflation. Yeah, that 2% target rate for the Fed, um, the inflation rate, we're, we're nowhere near that. We're uh-uh. nowhere near that. Nor have we been for a very long time. And so what is going to happen between now and December, then when we look at these technicals and look at inflation, look at these global economies, what's going to happen over the next couple of months that's going to change our stance and say, okay, now's the time to raise rates. A lot of people feel like some of those things are going to be the exact same as they are now, which again, will just kick the can down, down the road. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that I would consider it as much of kicking the can down the road as much as I I really think the rate manipulation is like kind of turning the rudder on a super tanker. Okay. It's going to take a long time for that motion to really kick in and see what the new heading is. Sure. And I don't know. Yeah, I have a lot of hours on the ocean. So I'll tell you, one of the things is whenever I show a new friend how to drive a boat or something, um, they're... in sail a boat. Or sail a boat, (laughs) unless it's under power. Operate a boat, captain a boat, pilot a boat, we might call it. Um, It's interesting where, like in a car... We turn the wheel, something happens. Mm-hmm. You can see it immediately. Mm-hmm. The The horizon, whatever's in your windshield view changes, and you, you realize immediately what you did, what effect it had on your course. When we're on the ocean, especially to a black drop of blue, mm-hmm. you may change the course of the boat without immediately recognizing what it is you've done. And it's funny um, it's 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 kind of telling to show somebody that hey you actually just did a circle and until you look behind you you don't know right right and I think that this is one of the things about the Fed is you don't have the benefit of seeing like hey look we did this and this happened yeah there's some immediate things that happen stock market might take a little tumble because with those higher rates is going to pinch some companies and hurt mm-hmm. some things or whatever. But the counter argument at that time is that the economy is really doing good. And because of that, you know, people are making more money and can afford the higher rates. So it's not going to cause the big pinch. There's all those things to consider. You could argue up and down both sides, right? But the reality of it is those immediate little things you feel are not what the the ultimate long-term effect is going to be and so we haven't done it yet and what it's been nine years right yep exactly <laughs> I mean, that's a long time long time so the first time they do it though and this i think is the biggest deal is the very first time you raise those rates you're gonna have everybody has to acknowledge now that the winds have changed yes that period of accommodation even if it's going to go up very slowly, as Janet keeps prepping us for, hey, mm-hmm. this is going to go, when we do, it's going to be very long and, and, and very gradual and all these things, right? Um, and I think that that's probably true. But um, consider what would happen if we, if we really started to have some inflation that started to meet the Fed's measures. Um, two, three, four percent inflation. You might, you might see rates get jacked up pretty quick then. Definitely. That seems to be one of the last shoes to drop. But the Fed's warned about and, and expressed concern about the global economy. 
Um, when I woke up on Friday morning, I have my Bloomberg app on my phone. I really like the Bloomberg app. Do you have that? Do you ever look at that? I don't have the Bloomberg app. It's pretty app, cool. No. In fact, on the are you an iPhone user? I am. Yeah. I'm an iPhone user. And for no other reason than the fact that it's just what I've always had. I switched from the um, the BlackBerry to the iPhone. Um but there's that little notifications thing at the top mm-hmm, where sure. you can pull down and see your little stories. And so it's kind of one of my morning things. I yank it down and check it out because, of course, while we're asleep, things are happening yeah. in other countries. Exactly. So it's nice yeah. to know kind of what happened overnight and what might happen. Um, I looked through the stock market, though, on Friday morning, and it was the world's stock mm-hmm. market. And they always show the over on the so it's the name on the left with some numbers and symbols that i don't really know a lot about i just look over to the right first thing i'm looking for green or red yeah what's the color green or red (laughs) and then give a little swipe little scroll start see a little bit of red all right where's the red at a lot of days it's like 50 50 or whatever it doesn't nothing really stand out on friday i swiped this thing and it was red lots of red around the world it was red mm-hmm. and the countries i saw that were still green were the ones that hadn't opened yet <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance well yeah well or that it's just it, by the end of it it's all going to look an awful lot worse and we did we saw corrections again in the dow and i think that's normal you know when when you realize Zero percent rate helps spur on business. It helps create jobs. It helps get the economy firing and running well. The idea of raising that means, hey, are you taking a little wind out of the sail? Are you going to slow some jobs? Are you going to cut out maybe some consumer spending? Is Mm -hmm. retail sales going to be damaged? Are we going to see lower GDP? Because all those things are related, right? Mm Um. And so I think that's why these indices kind of did what they did. The Fed said um, housing wasn't very strong. Did that surprise you? It did, actually. I was shocked. Janet even spoke to that specifically, said we have a depressed real estate market. And when you heard her say that, I mean, what was you're you're like a real estate dude. Well, we have to we have to take into consideration that we live in California. And she's obviously speaking for the nation. Yeah. So I think it made that, me. Yeah. My sentiment was like, wow, I'm really out of touch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I was a little surprised by that. Because if well. you walked in to me and said, hey, what's good in your life? You want to you want to ra- rattle them down? Um, let's get past the normal ones. You know, family's good. Health is good. Uh, real estate economy is good. It is around here. It is. It has been. It's healthy. Um there's some supply and demand issues for sure, but if anything, it's because there's not enough to go around and that's keeping prices up. And um, most everybody that owns real estate will share the sentiment that um, we like prices stable to increasing. That's good. Here's Yellen's quote about remains very depressed. She said that uh, the, the housing starts which were a little bit uh, came under the expected number this week on Thursday. Yep. Um, she said that those starts that are below the levels that seem consistent with underlying demographics, especially in an economy that's creating jobs. Yeah. So, I, I thought about that, by the way. After she said that, I, I kind of I went through that little gut check period of, okay, right. I'm out of touch. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, they say real estate's local, right? We're we're lucky if we understand our whole county. Sure. <laughs> I mean, try to go understand your whole state. You're you're out of your element. Right. So I figure, yeah, you know, I'm out of touch. I don't know what what's what's going on in Wyoming real estate right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I I suppose okay, so it's depressed or whatever. And I started thinking, well, why would that be? Why is that nationally? Because you need some kind of scapegoat or something. I started wondering, is it because it's still just too expensive to build? And every time we turn around, we've got more regulations. We've got more energy efficiency requirements. Mm -hmm. We've got more taxes on paint, more taxes on lumber. We got upward wage pressure for all the labor that it takes to build. And now because no matter where you build, you're going to get sued like as a guarantee, you got to have like this insurance and that insurance. Mm -hmm. And you know, is that part of the problem? Is it just so expensive because we've, we've gotten to a point in our society where it's just now expensive and difficult to build. Is that what's going on? Cause I mean, I grew up as the son of a builder. I grew up thinking, you know, if, this is how my dad would say it. When a Republican's in office, you know, the people build. We get out, get things done. Everybody's at work, you know, mm-hmm. and that's all you could ever hope for. And now I'm like, it's not that simple anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on that makes it very complicated. And I constantly talk to people that are like, it's a nightmare to get through the planning process. It's a nightmare to get all of your energy calculations and get them right and putting in all this, you know, fancy stuff and everything. And like, oh man, my head hurts. I got to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Janet, I'll, I'll give it to you. Real estate, um, nationally, these are the words she used, by the way, very depressed. Mm-hmm. Really? Very depressed? That sounds like, um, like we need an intervention. Right. Right? I mean, <laughs> think about that. If there's some area in your life, be it somebody you, you loved or, or at work or something that you would describe as very depressed. That's like things we need to deal with today. Right. Very depressed. I mean, that's those are scary words. And, and by the way, these guys choose their words very carefully. Yep. Believe me when we say very carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So raising rates is going to throw the wet blanket on the housing market again. It did before, didn't it? It did. And not necessarily raising rates that it wasn't at the Fed meeting. They didn't announce their raising rates. But what they did do was pull out of the bond buying, mortgage-backed security buying of QE3 that were keeping rates in that low to mid 3% range. Correct. And when they stopped that, we found our new equilibrium at about the 4% range. Mm-hmm. Um, that is hit the brakes so hard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if she's saying it's very depressed and we all know that raising rates is only going to throw salt in that wound, is it going to happen in December? Is it going to happen next year? I don't know, man. It's looking like it's going to be a little farther down the road. It'll be exciting to watch and see. I agree. And with you we will. That the, the locally, I, I'm just not feeling that so much. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that are pre-qualified looking for houses and they just can't find anything. Slugging and fighting. Yes. I see this. I mean, and it happened several times this week where um, 
transactions where multiple buyers are offering mm-hmm. and they're slugging it out. It's not uncommon. Like, I mean, I saw one of my realtor friends on Facebook this week said they sold a house in slow that went for $38,000 over asking. That's not, like, that's not depressing. No, that's not very depressed. Mm-hmm. So we're out of touch as always. This is why they resent us. We don't even know what is going on in the rest of the U S it just is what it is. All right. Um, we need to do a commercial break. This guy over here, Jason, he talked so much that we missed the break. Just way too much. This, <laughs> this guy's wearing me out. Uh, all right. So let's do a commercial break. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. State of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state. State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. In many parts of the world, childbirth is a great health risk. One woman dies every 90 seconds from complications of pregnancy and childbirth, and the risk hardly ends there. Nearly 17,000 children under the age of five will die today from largely preventable causes. That's over 700 children every hour. More than 11 children every minute of every day are dying. Project Hope is working to change all that, teaching expectant mothers proper prenatal care and making sure that they know how to keep their babies and young children healthy after they're born. From good nutrition to immunization against life-threatening illness, Project Hope is bringing hope to those who need it today and delivering hope for the future. You can make hope happen for vulnerable women and children suffering around the world. To volunteer or learn more about all the great work that Project Hope is doing, visit projecthope.org slash makehopehappen. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, all right, welcome back. We're all... uh you know, we had an extended break, so we we're we we're busy trying to get our uh, our seats and get our headphones on, get get our microphones back in front of us. Aren't we, Jason? We're here. <laughs> Make hot chocolate down the hallway. Yeah, I brought my <laughs> I brought my son with me today because, um, well, I mean, not not only is he one of my favorite people, but. I, lo- I love spending time with him. He, last night, he said, hey, Dad, can I go to the radio show with you tomorrow? You bet. I, it's That's got awesome. to be super boring for him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we just turned him on to uh, where to make hot chocolate. Okay, Which, you know, that's like a a little boy's dream. Found the gummy bears back there. He got some gummy bears. And now you can take him back to your wife later on and say, hey, I had I believe he was just given a pocket knife. (laughs) 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 And, uh, oh, and the guest that we're going to have on, I think, just shared with, he said, oh, you're an Angels fan? Because Tucker, of course, has his Angels shirt and his Angels hat. And he said, I used to work for the Angels. So they're going to have great conversation right now exciting um cool who is our guest today it's mr mike pick hang on hang on check it out check it out oh you got something ah, yeah i got it oh the new business card got the new business card. nice looking business card for pick law office i gotta tell you i'm feeling a little intimidated right now and i better not piss you off later on later on in the show here because of our pocket knives yeah, we you have both here. got pocket knives i'm undefended over here <laughs> yeah but we're pacifists man okay you don't have to worry <laughs> these things are really only going to come in handy if like say that like um i mean i don't know if something happens where we need to cut your shirt off you to like save your life or um okay. or if there's like a zombie apocalypse and we need to go like get squirrels for right. protein or something jim you can borrow my pocket knife if you yeah, want that's okay you're safe i think it'll be all right <laughs> Yeah, we do. We have uh, a Michael Pick attorney It's going to be joining us for the second hour of the show. Uh, I'm always a big fan of having guys like that on the show. Uh, anybody that typically costs, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour to get <laughs> to talk to and get advice from sits with you for free. I'm in. Oh, I got some questions. <laughs> and, of course, you know, another one of the great perks of the show. Anybody that's listening that has a legal question. Call in. Um, yeah, and this is – we'll talk more about um, Mike when he joins us here, but um, we're essentially – he's he's coming on to talk to us about uh, real estate, mortgage-related law stuff. Uh, happens to be quite a bit of what his practice does. I don't get the sense that it's entirely the only thing they do, but – Big piece of it. Yeah. Big piece of it. So that'll be cool. That'll be fun to talk about. Um. We were talking a lot about rates and um, what's been going on and what might happen and when they might go up. And, um, you know, I, I worry that that conversation might get boring for a lot of people. Um, so we don't need to talk about it an awful lot more. The, uh, the one thing I just want to say about it is there's a unique opportunity for you right now. If you, and this is 
kind of going to be the usual cattle call. If you have mortgage insurance, it's a great time um, to come and see us because these rates are low. Uh, it's your opportunity still to refinance. You know, your mortgage insurance, first of all, there's there's different levels to it. And it's in 5% buckets. So track with me here. I know this is tough for radio, but 5% down um, is going to have mortgage insurance that costs more than the person that has 10% down. And doesn't that make sense? Because if you have 10% down, a little more skin in the game, a little less risk for the bank, Correct, yeah. lower mortgage insurance factor equals a lower mortgage insurance premium. Um, 15% equity still actually requires mortgage insurance, but it's going to be the lowest of the tiers that are offered. Sure. Um, so here's the deal. Anybody that made less than 20% down payment has some form of mortgage insurance. And what we want to do is make that go away. And here's the rub. There's a train on your tracks. Okay. And it, it's coming for you, which is the interest rates are going to go up at some point. And you'd love to be able to make your mortgage insurance go away. One of the historically the most common way to make it stop is with a refi. So right now, these rates are in the range where they've been for two years. So your house is worth more if you bought it a year ago or two years ago. It's worth more today than it was then. And the good news is, is these rates are the same really as they were mm -hmm. in some cases, a little bit less. So it provides you an opportunity to come in and refi and get rid of that mortgage insurance. And let's say, you know what, let's say I, I look at my value of my home and I know I don't have the full 20% yet. When I started, I got an FHA loan with three and a half percent down. It's been three years and now I think I have 15% equity. So what do I do now? Well, Again, this is why I started by saying that mortgage insurance for somebody with 15% equity is a lot lower than somebody with a 5% equity. Mm -hmm. So in whatever your situation is, your equity in, has likely improved, which means your mortgage insurance, if it can't be eliminated, could be greatly reduced. And the good news is we sort of held the door for you on interest rates. They're the same. Mm -hmm. So um, my invitation to anybody that has mortgage insurance, that's a, if you have mortgage insurance right now, jot down the number, it's 543 loan, give us a call. Um, those are people we're helping day in and day out. And, and to be honest with you guys, a lot of times when you call, um, we'll look it all over and, and give you some advice that doesn't involve a new loan. Um, it's, it's very common that I'll look at something and say, Hey, you know what? Actually, what you need to do is go through this process of challenging your mortgage insurance with your servicer because you can get out of it now without getting a new loan. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get a lower rate and get rid of your mortgage insurance, that's when you usually want to do a new loan. If you're going to get rid of your mortgage insurance, but your rate is going to go up, that's where we're going to get pretty creative to figure out another way to, to help out there. Um, so yeah, these low rates, if you have mortgage insurance, great idea to give us a call. Um, the other thing too is there's still people hanging out that have got adjustable rate loans, interest only loans, or adjustable rate seconds, or even fixed seconds that are at a higher rate of interest that have just been hanging on, right? I mean, aren't you impressed when those people still show up to the office? Oh, I got this adjustable rate loan and uh, I think I should get a fixed rate loan soon. I think that's a good idea. I think uh, I think the even the bigger dilemma are the people that have adjustable rates that are 
lower than the 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 30 year fixed rate right now yeah what do you do people sitting with three and a half percent or three percent on an adjustable knowing that the rates are going to go up sometime soon i get that i get that guy into my office um it seems like every couple months Mm -hmm. and usually that guy has waited this far is not going to do something until the rates actually go up right um but sometimes tell us, folks, hey, you, you have any idea what the interest rate is on the 5-1 arm today? Want to lock yourself in for another five years? Right. You can lock like two and five-eighths, two and three-quarters on that. Mm-hmm. So if you're down with the arm and you like floating like that and just kind of being tied to the overall economy, that's good. Um there's zero protection for you next month or March or June when these rates start going up. You're going right with it right then. Sure. So why not come in and get yourself a new five-year arm where you lock down five years again at, say, two and three quarters or something like that that's even less than what you're doing now, mm-hmm. and you guarantee it can't go up for the five-year run? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a smart play. For whatever reason, I've limited success in convincing those guys to do that. <laughs> they, the people with those loans that have like, they know it's adjusted and they're just hanging out waiting. They're pretty good waiters. I don't, yeah. I don't understand that completely. The, they've been, they've been right so far. Yeah, they've been right so far. But here's the thing: there's this sort of historical relationship between the thirty-year loan rate and then the adjustable loan rate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the gap is really far. For right. example, 30-year fixed is 6%, adjustable rate loan, 3%. That 3% gap, that's a big gap, man. That's a, that lot, of chance, a lot of monthly payment. Yep. That's hard for somebody to snub. You're going to go... Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do that. It's going to mm-hmm. save me on my loan. It's going to save me 500 bucks a month. And mm-hmm. and I can do a lot with 500 bucks a month. In fact, I could put that 500 bucks a month back towards the loan mm-hmm. and make such serious headway in five years that by the time that thing adjusts, I'm going to be in a way better spot than if I just went for the 6% 30-year fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff really happens. But look at today. Today, with after this rate's movements, 3.875 for a 30-year fixed, and then 2.75. Right, spread is much smaller now. It spreads one. Right. In my opinion, you kind of got to be a knucklehead. You're going to give up 30 years of perfect security over one percentage point of savings now? Let's... Let's grab a beer and talk about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone's different. Obviously, yeah, some people well, move into a house and they don't plan on being in that house for an extended period of time. And sometimes those shorter fixed periods do Or they sense. have enough cash to pay the thing off at any time. Right. And it's not a, they don't have a loan as a necessity. They have one as a convenience. And mm-hmm. saving 25% in interest by doing an adjustable rate loan is a smarter play for them financially fine i i can get that's what we'll talk about over that beer and i think everyone <laughs> everyone's scenario is a little different and that's that's that i think that's what we enjoy about our job is sitting down finding what plan makes the most sense for you moving forward and then recommending that not not based on 
us just trying to get another transaction, but trying to give good advice right. and steer people the right way. Um, I think another group of people, anyone that's retiring, I think in the next you know three or four years. That's a great I point. I think it makes a lot of sense. I've seen so many people come in and say, okay, you know what? I've recently retired. Here's my new income, which is typically less than what they were making when they were working. I, I want to sit down and look at my finances and restructure some things. And oftentimes that's not the time to do it because you are making less money. And so sometimes those loans are going to be much more difficult to qualify for. And getting yourself into a, 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 the lowest fixed payment possible heading into retirement where oftentimes your income is going to be fixed as well, uh, it really just protects yourself from inflation and it gives you just more more cash flow on a monthly basis. So those people are definitely should consider now um, you know, capturing some of these low rates. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so many times people come in where they said, I recently retired and my cash flow is now not what I thought it was going to be mm -hmm. for this or that reason. And you know what? Maybe just the increase in the health care. I mean, that's going up every year, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you get a 30-year fixed rate loan, the beauty of it is, is it's very predictable for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So if you've recently retired... Um, in some cases, you're going to be able to say that that loan is basically going to be the loan you're going to have for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we all have that dream of, I want to pay my house off. Mm -hmm. I, I want no house payment when I retire. Um, some people just come up short, you know, come up a hundred grand short and, and listen to this guys, this is a, this is a real deal. Um, $100,000 mortgage structured over a 10-year period of time, you're talking a payment that's that's pretty hefty. Um, you know, I think I, I don't have my calculator in front of me, but I think it's somewhere in the ballpark of like 1700 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. You put that into a 30-year fixed, and that payment's like 500 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. So... $1,200. We're going to bite, yeah, bite off more than you can chew. That happens to all of us, right? We start sure. off with great intentions. And then these guys' wedding went over budget. And then this other kid's car blew up in the middle of college. So we had to help him. And then this happened and that happened. And then, you know, mom needed some money or whatever for the move. You took some time off work. Just somehow or other, we start with great intentions and then don't necessarily finish there. Um, and having the mortgage at that long term 30 year fix so low can really make all the difference in the world. Um, so much so that sometimes when people come in and say, I want a 15 year loan, um, I'll show them all the 15 year loan stuff. I like to show them the 30 year loan stuff too, and mm -hmm. show them that, Hey, if you do the 30 year loan, yeah, the interest rates higher than the 15 year loan. That's just how it works. I mean, that's how they incent you to take that shorter 15 year term, right? Mm -hmm a lower rate, but show somebody if, if you all things equal made the 15 year payment on your 30 year loan, it's going to cost you because of that higher interest, that payments a little bit more, but what you're buying is the right to make a 30 year payment. If mm -hmm. life ever changes for you, mm -hmm. it's kind of like self-insuring in that respect where, you know, the 30 year payment might be 30 year interest rate 
on a 15-year payment might be $100 more than the 15-year interest rate on the 15-year payment. Right. Right? Right. But that's sort of, that 100 bucks is sort of self-insuring that, you know what, if something happens, if my wife loses her job or if I finally get laid off, like what might happen, you know, maybe you're a teacher and you're worried about getting pink slipped or something, whatever it is, now you can fall back off of that 15-year payment and just make the 30 that's due, um, that will make, I've seen that make huge difference in people's lives. And the, the big thing to understand is that your, your payment that you're starting with is only the payment based on the principal balance at that time and the interest rate and the term of the loan. There's no prepayment penalties on these loans. So right. you ultimately have control over how fast you pay the loan off. You hear a lot of people say, well, I don't want to start over. I don't want to start over with a new 30-year fixed. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have 30 more years of a mortgage. You can accelerate those payments when times are good. Yep. And when life happens, like you said, one of these events happen, you have the ability to drop down your payment. I have people all the time that take you know, that extra $500 a month and they just put it in their sock drawer. And at the end of the year, they've got a chunk of change that they can decide, you know, life was smooth, I've got this money, let's pay it down towards the mortgage, or let's take that vacation, or they can choose, but it just gives you a little bit more flexibility over the funds that you do have. I haven't even told you about this yet. You'll be excited as one of the LOs that's going to get to offer this product, but we recently added a new correspondent relationship um, to our lending arsenal that does some pretty cool stuff. Um, first of all, you could do a unique loan term of anything mm. between five and 30 years. So if you needed a 22 and a half year loan, you could. Right. But here's here's my favorite thing about this new bank. Um, they guarantee five recasts in the loan for free. So as long as you're paying your principal down by $5,000 more, mm -hmm. Um, they'll let you recast it over its remaining term again. So let me tell you why this is cool. Maybe you're going to inherit $140,000 next year. Okay. One of the bummers about fixed rate installment debt is if you send them $140,000 payment next year, doesn't change what's due every month. Your monthly payment stays the same. Exactly. It's just going to be paid off a lot sooner. Right. So under this new product, and, and we'll be offering it, I, I think probably by the end of the month, you're five times in the life of that loan. As long as you've reduced the balance by at least 5000 bucks, you call them up and they just recast it over its remaining term and you get a new payment. Hmm. Everything else stays the same. That's pretty cool. That kind of helps you, like you're saying, squirrel that money away in the sock drawer and then eventually you go, hey, I got six grand here kick it into the home loan. Then when that happens, the minimum payment that's due goes down by a hundred bucks or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. All right. It's the top of the hour break here. So we got to do that break. And when we get back, we're going to be joined by uh, Michael pick, who's going to talk with us about some real estate loan type of law stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. And of course, Jason will be with us for the whole next hour. So Go freshen up your coffee, water your dogs, do whatever you got to do. We'll be back in about four minutes for more Mortgage Matters.
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, guys, welcome back. We got a got like an engineer in training back here over my shoulder that's dying to say hi and maybe just too shy. Give a shout out. Too shy? Hello. Hello. That was that was killer. Great job. <laughs> All right. I asked him, I said, what do you know about home loans? You want to talk about that? And he just goes, yeah, and gives a thumbs up. So I don't think he's quite radio, radio ready yet, but super cute nonetheless. All right. Well, um, while you guys were out uh, having a break, we were still busy at work here. We brought uh, Michael Pick uh, into the uh, into our studio to talk to us um, about what what he does. And before we dive right into that, I usually like to do the old, um, you know, where are you from? How'd you get here? What'd you do? We had fun getting to know you the other day. Uh, well, you're new to me, not to Jason here, but. Um, so having a good time learning about you being a Marine and how you got to where you are. So maybe if you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, what we talked about is how I kind of came to my legal career. Um, right out of high school at 17, I went to boot camp um, and served in the United States Marine Corps. Um, they made me the military equivalent of a paralegal. So I worked in a law office and got to work with lawyers and learned somewhat what that looks like on the military side and found that I had a knack for it and kind of a passion for it. So wait, how do you know you have a knack for that? Before this, you were already a good arguer, weren't you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> pretty That's logical, pretty deductive, ready to argue, not afraid to engage. Well, I, I, I like the confrontational side of uh, uh, litigation, but I also like problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so I think that appealed to me in a way. I had some interesting projects when I was deployed in the Marines, um, we would uh, adjudicate foreign claims against the United States government. So, for example, um, while deployed in Somalia, a Humvee would run over a hut and uh, the Somali national would file a claim against the U.S. government. Hey, you got to pay me for you my hut. You owe me for my hut. Exactly. So we would go research the, you know, the kind of street value of that and pay them something. So that was really interesting. Huh. Getting out in the field and digging around. Uh, some of the compensation or that you what we used as consideration was pretty interesting I'll say in that if you lost a wife or a child it usually was made up for with a camel or livestock wow so instead of just hard cash <laughs> that is crazy yeah. interesting yeah so did you see a lot of those huts rebuilt or did they take those funds and Probably not around for that part, right? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Huts is a very uh, liberal term, okay. too. So. Gotcha. Yeah, the lean-to. The, <laughs> yeah. That was worth four camels, man. Yeah, was maybe, a, sometimes. Very, very sentimental lean-to. 
That's interesting. You know, I, I never really actually considered that was part of it, but I, it makes sense. I mean, there's yeah. going to be some of that stuff. Marines and, do dumb stuff all the time, so I'm sure pay for it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. What a fun way to get started. It was interesting. And so after the Marine, how long were you in the Marines for? I served for four years. Okay. And then after that, back yeah. here? I, I landed at Cal Poly and studied uh, political science pre-law and then went to law school after that. So you must have had some classes with Alan Settle. I, I did. That was the only like poli-sci class I had at Cal yeah. Poly. And I actually really liked it a lot. He's still uh, teaching. Is he? He is. As, I'm sure as effective as ever. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> How about law school? I went to California Western down in San Diego. Okay. Downtown San Diego. So my wife and I were living in the Bay Area at the time, and we really wanted to relocate to San Diego. I was stationed at Camp Pendleton, so I had lived there before, but just loved that area. So that's where we went. Right. All right. So now, um, of course, now you're on Mortgage Matters. In case you didn't know, this show is about like real estate, mortgage issues, things like that. Um, and so now we got to bridge that gap. Uh, we've got the, uh, the Marine turned lawyer suddenly appearing on the mortgage matters show. What are you doing now? Well, I, I do a lot of real estate law. I should say, I, I represent clients in a variety of different matters regarding the property they own property. They're trying to buy or some issue with neighbors. Um, it's somewhat all over the map. I mean, property is so near and dear to Americans that every kind of dispute you can think of comes up. Uh, with respect to what this show is focused on, I have dealt with a lot of issues regarding lender liability or loan modification issues, uh, broker liability, that kind of thing. Yeah. I got a... Um I, I, I always love that conversation. I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. And it might be getting a little bit passe, whereas like, well, and, and not that it's just outdated, but it seems like five or seven years ago, everybody wanted to stop and lend an ear to, hey, what what can, what happens if you can't pay your mortgage? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what sorry, What's that foreclosure process like? And, yeah. you know, um, Today, it's not as common as it was, um, but uh, in fact, before the break, Jason, while I was sharing with you that the, our new investor that we're going to be using is offering this thing where you can recast your loan if you change the balance of your mortgage by more than $5,000. Mm -hmm. You know what's really interesting about that? Those are the kind of things that the loan modification department typically did in a in a mortgage company. Right. We, we always had... Uh, you know, loss mitigation or loan modification department. And those are the things they worked on was every now and again, somebody dies or the, there's a divorce or something happens where the value of the property needs to be evaluated. And depending on the real estate cycle, could it be sold or not? And would somebody need to sell it short or not? And what would they do about it? But they also worked on things like recasts and stuff like that. Um, for the last you know, half a dozen years here, those departments are dedicated solely to figuring out how to solve these problems of so many defunct mortgages. Um, kind of an interesting dilemma to be in and understaffed, I think, putting it mildly. So all of the banks have really struggled. 
Um, in fact, I'm sure that you can kind of speak to that. One of the one of the big challenges has been that the departments that are working on these things, even inside the banks, they haven't they haven't had a very good understanding of the process they're supposed to be following. No, it's it's true. When there's some distress in a loan and a borrower is having struggles. You have seen in the last couple of years a lot of advertising for we can help you, loan modification, et cetera. Uh, not too long ago, the state bar came down and, uh, and banned attorneys from doing loan modification work. Um, they could do loan modification work, but they can't get paid until after it's done because there were so many scams in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, we've had a proactive government in that the California Homeowners Bill of Rights was instituted in 2013 which provides uh, borrowers and homeowners a lot more options and protection, meaning you can't be dual tracked, you can't be in the foreclosure process, and you can't be in the loan modification process at the same time. You have to have someone that's assigned to your case, and there's certain deadlines that have to be met. It was, you're right, it was wide open for a number of years. It was just chaos. Yeah. It was a mess. I got that call once or twice a week, what can I do, what can I do? And as a litigator, there wasn't a whole lot of tools in my tool bag to help. But with, you know, these big settlements with some of the banks and the institution of the Homeowners Bill of Rights, there's been a lot a lot cleaner processes now in dealing with someone that's in distress. Yeah. In um, in go, what we went through, you know, we had a, an awful lot of people coming to us for help with things like that. Loan, like, you know, because they show up. I, I got a problem in my house and... Um, I'm desperate for anything. Can you get me a new loan? Can you help me with this one that I've got? Is there anything that can be done? And we got caught up in the middle of it a lot. And be honest with you, a lot of the programs where, um, you know, we got solicited by third party vendors that said, oh, you give us those referrals. This is what we do. And a lot of them were hiding behind an attorney somewhere. Oh, well, we have an attorney on staff and that person is going to be able to negotiate like you and I are incapable of. They just know their way around it so much better and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, well, it, it turns out that in the end, that was rarely true. That attorney wasn't there. And many times the money was taken and then the, you know, the promises were never fulfilled. Quite a mess. Uh, but I think most of that is blown over. Um, the other thing, too, about that was the, um, the advent of the uh, or addition of that hope hotline, I think, helped a lot of people, too, where you'd. You know, you call it this like 888-995-HOPE, I think. And that hotline would get you to like a HUD counselor that could help you know what was true and what wasn't true to the best of their ability. Um, but yeah, what a wild time. I suspect the next real estate recession we go through, we're going to have a much better handle on what you can and can't do and who can and can't do it and when you can and can't take money. This last time was like the Wild West, man. So much misinformation. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember people coming in and sitting down talking about working with a loan modification company, and these are all the things that they, they required. And the list, the laundry list was very, very long. And they had provided everything to a T, and it still was 12 months before they were even getting any type of of information or, oh did you fax it yeah exactly well fax we did, it again we didn't get your fax and then ultimately a, a high percentage of those just ultimately came back and said you know what there's just nothing we can do but we will keep the four thousand dollar deposit for our time yeah the, so that was the loan modifications i saw by those services that were actually helpful were the ones that um they knew the game you know that 
HUD has always sort of had these um, debt to income ratio suggestions that they kind of deem to be the the norm, and it's like a thirty three percent of your income. I forget the exact number, but it's something like that. Thirty three percent of your income is supposed to go for housing, right? And so when a lot of these loan modification, like the, the banks that were reviewing your application for hardship would come on down. And if you fell too far out of that range on your monthly budget, so they would say, hey, well, here, give us your budget. And if you don't have one, fill out this form where you'd say, I spend this much on my utilities, mm-hmm. is my insurance, is my this, is my that. You get all the way down to the end of it. When you're calling the bank for help because you're hanging on by a thread, it's not uncommon that you're like, hey, this guy's debt-to-income ratio is over 100%. Mm-hmm. He's dipping into savings and living on credit cards, and that could be remedied if we could reduce this mortgage payment, right? But then the company that receives that hardship goes, we don't help people that have 100% debt-to-income ratio. You can't be helped. No matter what happens, you're going to end up on this path anyway. So we're sorry it's denied, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the loan, those companies that did that, those third-party services that understood that would lie and misrepresent the budget to get it to like a 41% mm-hmm. so that the modification would land them at like a 33, which would fall into the range. And those were like the ideal candidates. And mm-hmm. so as crazy as that sounds, I mean, sadly, many of those programs were just detached from reality. But in the end, it was still based on deceit, the people that were able to get them if they ever could. Mm-hmm. Um, and that oftentimes, I mean, if there was ever a value in using a third-party service for loan modification, that was it, is they'd done enough to see the game and know what those tolerances were and how to get you into them. Whereas if you're just the honest homeowner calling up to say my budget is in bad shape and I need help. You, you wouldn't know that and couldn't know that you needed to, to slot into those places to get there. Um, guys, we've got, um, Michael pick here on the show. He's going to be with us for the whole hour. And so, um, you know, like you started off by saying property is so near and dear to all of us that it, it ends up the, the root source of an awful lot of issues here. Um, I got to imagine there are people that have had questions about a transaction you're currently involved in. If it's doesn't seem to be going correctly or maybe something really weird happened and you're just not sure it's right or not. That's a good question. Um, I, I actually have a couple questions that I think um, I'd like to ask too, in terms of like, I bought my house in a notice notice shortly thereafter that there's a distinct odor in my neighborhood that was never disclosed to me. And I'm curious about that. Um, but anything like that, if you guys want to get in on this resource and ask Michael some questions, the number here, um, it is... Five four three eight eight three zero. So you guys can call, ask your question. You can go on the air if you want. You don't have to. Um, but yeah, we have somebody here that is typically paid to give uh, advice and opinion. So let's um, take advantage of that. Uh, we do need to do a commercial break real quick. It's twenty after, so we'll take this time out for the sponsors. And we get back, we'll have more mortgage matters. Stick around. Mortgage matters with host Dan and Jason. We'll be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. Can you buy or refinance a home? Just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. here welcome tucker yeah thanks <laughs> you did a great job bring us back from the from the breaks really appreciate it how old are you tucker i'm 11 what grade are you in sixth all right now you can say you know i actually i was a part of a radio show when i was in sixth grade uh the local channel in big bear had a like a monday night show where it was like a two-hour block and they wanted kids to come in and like kind of, I think it was one of those things to try to get you interested or whatever. And I just did it because I thought it was cool. Came in, played music, you know, talked a little bit, bring a, a weird interview in because you're kind of nerdy kids. But and look at um, you now. I, I really don't believe these two things have any relationship <laughs> whatsoever to one another. Um, but yeah, so who knows? Maybe in a handful of years, Tucker will be doing something on the radio he's already a pro at bringing us back from a break yeah um, that was pretty good we gotta, you know we gotta sign the guy up here <laughs> right on that's that fun. yeah <laughs> all 
All right, so we're joined by Michael Pick, uh, attorney at law. I have a question for you. This this is a serious question, man. I live in Atascadero. Bought my house a few years ago. Love my house. Um, I got two complaints about. It. I mean, one of them is it's kind of on a busy road, but I knew that. Right, that's the road I took to get there. And when the sellers filled out the seller property questionnaire, they put on there that there was some road noise that was obnoxious and. There is. It's a little bit of obnoxious road noise. And I knew that. It does bother me a little bit, but I knew that. Um, there's also, I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I mean, as the crow flies, maybe I'm a mile-ish to wastewater treatment facility. And I didn't really have any idea that was there because I wasn't from a task there. I was from Los Osos. It was past the turnoff for my house, right? So I never went past it. There's no signs. I had no idea. And then, uh, you know, every uh, couple times a month or sometimes for a week or something, we'll have a wind coming from the other direction, which is weird. And I smell like a sulfury smell. And my wife is always like, what's that smell? And I'm like, I don't really tell her, but you know, hello. Because we're all on septic. It's not us. It's the, um, I think it's the Tascadero State Hospital's got that treatment facility right there. So, anyway, I'm like, man, I don't know what I would have done about it, but I sure feel like I should have known that that was potentially an issue. Um, so, what's up with that? You know, I get this question a lot. <laughs> <laughs> not so much with noxious odors, but other defects in the property. There's two documents that uh, a seller fills out during a transaction. It's called the Transfer Disclosure Statement, the TDS, and the SPQ, the Seller Property Questionnaire. Along with that, the real estate agent has to fill out observations they made on inspecting the property. But the Civil Code requires that anything that could materially impact the value of the property has to be disclosed. So you sh that should have been disclosed if the sellers knew about that issue. And I feel like it does because, at least for me, especially because I have a real estate license and a local reputation and I'm the kind of guy that just I – I really want to be upfront with people about the way things really are. When I sell my house, I fully intend to, to disclose it in a way that I wish it had been disclosed to me. And – It'll be hard to argue because, I mean, I'm not in the market to sell right now, but what is that discount where I've got to draw attention to the fact that there's a sewage treatment facility that at times can be um, observed from the property? So you know, what is that materially? What is that dollar amount monetarily? What does it mean? Because it, it might even impact who wants to buy my house. Some people might come by, well, I'm just, that's not something we're willing to deal with. Lovely house, but we're going to pass, um, which means I might end up um, in a marketability issue too. So how, does, how is that quantified? Well, that is a difficult part of that equation. Uh, oftentimes it's speculative in nature. Because you can't say, well, it's a square footage issue, like the square footage was worth something. It really is up to what someone would buy it for. So often in those situations, what I will do with a client is, what can you do to mitigate it or uh, remediate it so that problem isn't as strong? So there's a value there. Also, sometimes you could retain appraisers that could do forensic appraisers appraisals that could compare the value of the property if the issue is there and if it's not there and that gives you some economic basis as well hmm. but sometimes in those situations 
it's a bit ambiguous. Yeah. It's hard to put a finger on what the economic value of the failure to disclose is. Yeah. Um, now, does that mean I'm not going to get anything? Well, that's who knows. <laughs> you know, that's, I, that's I, hard I, to say. Yeah. And another question I have, I mean, truth be told, I, I have no interest in pursuing it. Um, it's not something where I feel like I... I'm just not, I guess I'm not vindictive enough to go after them. I, I don't believe they purposefully admitted it. I think that they just either, maybe they weren't deductive enough to figure out that at times you smell it and that's what it is. Um, whatever the deal is, I'm not going to take any action on it, but I can't help but wonder what are the statute of limitations for something like that? I mean, yeah, it's, I'm three years that I've owned my home. Is it too late? I mean, it'd be hard to argue at this point. Now this is unlivable and I need some money back. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Well, the statute of limitations in California on the breach of a written contract is four years okay. from the breach. So technically you could argue that there was a breach of the contract because they didn't provide that information. The statute of limitations in California for fraud is three years from the, the date you learn of the issue. So after you move in your home, the first time you smell it, you're like, hey, this is maybe an anomaly, a random event, but then it starts happening again. So you'd have three years from the time you first learned of the issue to bring a lawsuit. Yeah. I, I learned of it pretty quickly, and I thought that I might make a, a stink about it, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but in the end, what happened was the, man, the sellers just... They didn't do themselves many favors. The the first, the most significant thing they did that I thought was just the first very major pitfall is they were interested in saving commission, so they didn't use a listing agent. I mean, they kind of did, but they used like a help you sell kind of thing where they, I think honestly, they simply weren't getting the advice and counsel that would have really protected them. And so that being said, I've been you know transactions i've worked on before where there's that disagreement and then um it goes in kind of like into arbitration where there's insurance involved mm -hmm. and it's usually that selling agents insurance that comes with them and represents them and helps them and the people that i bought my house from they um they wouldn't have that they you know it's like i'd, I'd kind of be going to go as a pro in the business, they did a for sale by owner, which I think is incredibly stupid. And maybe we can talk about that in a minute. But um, I just I felt like it would just be me kind of just ganging after them for something that they should have known better about. But I don't want to unbuy my house and I don't know what that value is. And I'm yeah, if you gave me 50,000 bucks, I'd probably feel better about it. But that's not my goal. So that's why I've done nothing about it. But um, it's been an interesting thing to kind of ponder and, and consider. I got a question on that too. I mean, does it become a little less straight, a uh, little more on the side of the seller, or the law when like, obviously you should have just known like, like there's an airport, like, yeah, all these people like by the airport saying that there's airport noise. I like, hope yeah, so. By the airport or by railroad tracks or by like, uh, yeah, you know, some... Hey, you took, you took the freeway to get to the house and it's, you know, a, less than a quarter of a mile away. Yeah. You're going to hear the freeway noise. I would yeah. hope that the courts would take that into consideration. Mm -hmm. Like the, you can't just be a moron and come after people for money. Yeah. In my case, it mm -hmm. wasn't 
I mean, I, I bought my house in the winter, okay? So the yeah. air is a little thicker. The temperatures are a little cooler. Yeah. The winds blow from a different direction. <laughs> um, and then I noticed it, honestly, the first time I noticed it was on a hot, thin-aired yeah. summer day where the winds, because of that season, come from the other direction. And yeah. and truly, that's when – I, I mean, believe me, I went through kind of an emotional thing about it where I'm like, man, I, I don't know if it would have been enough for me to not want to buy my house, but I surely wanted to, I wanted it to be a part of the decision that I made to be able, I mean, when you are going to spend a half a million dollars on something, mm -hmm. you ought to have a pretty good assurance that everybody's laid their cards on the table and that you're, you're buying eyes wide open, that you're aware of these issues. And, and you know, the... In my mind, it's like it took a while for me to figure out that there was that issue happening. Um, but the previous owners were the original owners. They had had the house built and they had lived in the home um, for like nine years. So it's, it really couldn't be argued that they were unaware of the seasonality of that problem or that they didn't know that it was potential or or whatever. And that that's the part where I get a little bit hung up on it. Well, that's what I was kind of saying to the lawyer is, yeah. you know, does it kind of the law kind of say, well, you really should have known when you're buying next to an airport, there's going to be airport noise. You're not allowed to be my judge, yeah. Jim. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> the things like that, well, you know. I, I think the way the disclosure laws are set up are to protect you from, you know, latent or hidden defects. I mean, there's things that are obvious when you see a property. Just like you said, you drive by a house and there's train tracks next door. Is there going to be noise? You know that. But something that's more hidden, like... Uh, you know smell or something like that mm -hmm. that's really the purpose to kind of make sure the buyer has been given all opportunity to do their diligence because it's winter time how would you know i couldn't mm -hmm. i wasn't you know? even from that city right you know so i think really the disclosure laws really go to that point is the things that are hidden not so much obvious are yeah. there any examples that you have that uh, you've seen that are, are maybe more common than others where people just aren't aware that maybe slip through the cracks between an appraiser noticing or a home inspector where you're in the home for you know a certain period of time and recognize, dang, I, I, what is this? You know, uh, so it's, it's funny you say that because just like you were talking about the, the cycles of uh, the real estate market, these type of claims are countercyclical. Right. Yeah, when everybody's <laughs> making equity, nobody cares. Right. You know, uh, right. so, but when there's times when the market is tight, then all of a sudden people want to hold on and protect more. But sure. when you're making equity overnight, it doesn't really matter. Some of the claims I see often are square footage discrepancies, lack of permit issues. So mm, right. you know, grandma's house doesn't have a permit. You know, those are, those are big issues uh, that can really be problematic in a transaction. I see a lot of that with folks who buy a home and they're coming in to refinance and we're asking about the granny unit or that addition and they have no idea. Your house is a 1,400 square foot house right. and they're going, you're crazy. My house is 2,200 square feet and that's a big difference. Right. And we go, look, you're permitted 1,400. Right. You can't just go add on and then get value for it. We're going to do a loan on your house because you you've got value to cover it but we only will appraise it mm -hmm. and allow it to be worth a 1400 square foot house and many people don't realize that mm -hmm. it's so interesting that you said it's counter cyclical i mean it just makes sense right when oh people, i s when there's the equity building people are doing the same thing with uh sort of the mortgage market meltdown right like when folks 
are gaining twenty and thirty thousand dollars every six months or every three months in their home. They're they're working that second and third job. They're doing everything they can to scrape together that mortgage payment. But as soon as that goes south, all of a sudden they found themselves owing more than what the property is worth. Then now all of a sudden you know there's a different course of action. So oh yeah, the rules of engagement engagement change quite a bit, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it was funny where. Every when things were going up like stupid amounts from 2003 to 2006 or whatever it was, was ridiculous around here. It was appreciating so much. Um, the banks never came knocking saying, "Hey, when we gave you that loan, we had no idea your property was going to double in value, and we need half of it." Right. But as soon as they went off the edge, it was like, "Well, when you gave me that loan, I had no idea the value was going to fall in half, so I need half of the loan forgiven." Uh, yeah, I saw one play out so interestingly that way where a person I know sold a house in town here with an odor issue and it was related to something that had, it was easier to pinpoint a value on because there was, it was a water issue. There was a, like a natural spring kind of thing that created a sulfur smell in between these two houses. And it was hard to say, I mean, it surfaced on the neighbor's property line, but it was kind of both of their issues and the neighbor could do something about it, but it was very expensive. And anyway, this property needed to be sold. And so it was very well disclosed. I mean, not only from the initial contract, but they created actual addendum saying, you realize that this issue is your, you know, here's the reports we have done, but you need to sign this acknowledging that you're aware of it and you're, you know, however it is you're going to deal with it. So these people b agreed, bought the house, moved in the house. Um, 2007 happened. Value of the property is suddenly less. So they came forward with a $100,000 claim. Oh man, this thing is so bad that, um, and ultimately kind of argued that they just didn't understand the extent of how bad it was. And I'm telling you the way that it went down in the end was the, um, in arbitration, the attorneys and everybody that slugged it out agreed that, um, if they continued on, there was, um, an amount of money that was going to get shelled out just from the process. And so just cut a settlement to that buyer that really appeared to be totally gaming the system, but they just got that money then to make it stop there because it was more um, economical for them to settle than to press it. And I was like, man, that's just terrifying. Yeah, some people um, don't understand that the legal process is often, well, almost always about dollars and cents. Yeah. And mm -hmm. not necessarily the righteousness of claims. So in that example, you know, they had a, a claim, right? Um, and it was arguable uh, that it was a, defen a defensible claim because it was disclosed. However, oftentimes it's just cheaper solution based, you know, to just pay it off. It's peace of mind. Instead of going through the process, hiring attorneys and proving your case, oftentimes uh, that's the engine that drives resolutions and lawsuits. It almost... It almost just begs everyone to to get involved in that litigious mentality. Well, any of the 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 California Association of Realtors and the Bureau of Real Estate have done a good job of pushing alternative dispute resolution. So, in every standard purchase contract, there's a mediation clause. So, like in your case, if you wanted to move forward, you'd have to first demand that the seller go to mediation with you. It's a it's an order of escalation. And there's an option in that contract to initial and check the box for arbitration 
or it could go to litigation. But because the nature of property, the nature of California, and it is so litigious, those contracts require that there's some dispute resolution on the front end of it before it gets that far. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems like a, a tricky little business. What's the... Um What's the bread and butter for you? I mean, if it, ideally, whenever we have a guest like you on the show, I mean, first of all, for me, I, I, I'm a pretty straight shooter. I'll throw us out there. I'm really happy to have met you. One more person that the next time I find somebody in need, I know now who to send them to, you know? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. It. And so um, that being said, uh, it's relatively well known that this show Mortgage Matters is on um, being operated by a for-profit business, and we have guys like yourself on. I mean, you're your family man running a local business here, trying to take care of business. Um, what kind of calls do you want today? If there are people that need your services, what's the bread and butter for you? Well, I think you know something that you brought up. Your your situation is is in. Is in do my you want to represent me? Should we go for it? <laughs> we'll talk later. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, cases like that. Uh, Real property, like I said, presents all kinds of different issues. Mm -hmm. Something like your case, there's partition issues, there's neighbor disputes, uh, quiet title issues. It's all over the place. Water issues, uh, easement issues, lot line issues. I mean, everything comes up um, with property. So I'm always happy to talk to people if they have a question. And um, during consults, I try to cut it off early if there's not anything there like mm -hmm. sometimes uh, it's really easy like for example your case you have a case you do you have a claim but is it worth it really that's the question is it worth it i don't know i mean for me i i have to say not because i i'm not wanting for the money that's not my primary motivation and those guys I bought my house from are in town. Our kids play little league together, and I I know enough about them to know that they're they weren't purposefully deceitful. If anything, I think they were just a little less than thorough, or you know maybe just who knows when they sat well, down not getting proper counsel when they sat down to do their TDS or their SPQ, they just. Maybe they were in a hurry. You yeah. know, I don't know what they were doing or what the thing was, but yeah, it's it's not really my my motivation to go totally nail them. But at the same time, I have a little bit of like a feeling of, well, it's gonna cost me money though. And am I Mr. Nice Guy that just walks around kind of when people don't pay attention to the law or don't seek appropriate representation or don't adequately disclose what they're supposed to that I pay that bill. I feel like I pay a lot of bills for people that don't pay their own way. You know what I mean? Right. But the other factor to consider is in your situation and situations like this, will you ever be able to collect? So maybe you go through this process, maybe <laughs> you make this claim and then you get this Great sparkling piece of paper that says the seller owes you X amount of dollars. Right. What if they don't have the resources to pay it? Then it's just wasted effort. So sure. those are the considerations you really want to take into account in the front end of something. Right. Yeah. Well, I uh, I hope that we get some people that want to call and 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 get your services. Um, and at a minimum, like I said, I'm going to add you to my Rolodex of pe people. You know, because to be honest with you, I think. Um, I mean, San Luis is a great place and everything. We do lack a little bit of the diversity of economy here because, you know, it's kind of a small place. And, um, 
you know, sometimes when people call, especially in years past with some unique issue, it's like, man, I really don't know. You might need somebody from L.A. It's nice to know that you're here and can help people right here in town with those real estate related issues. Um, so we'll we'll definitely keep that in mind. That's kind of a question I, I just thinking too, San Luis. You, you might buy the house in the summertime when <laughs> not yeah. so much in session. But then, you know, everybody comes back into the... And then wow week happens. Wow week happens. I mean, being a university town, does that kind of change up the law a little bit there too? Or um, do you really have a valid um, complaint when, you know, a party happens next door to your house? Yeah, I, th I think it depends. And the situation of buying in San Luis Obispo, I mean, anyone that's moving here should know that Cal Poly is one of the driving engines around here. I mean, they yeah. should just know that. So, mm -hmm. well, you know, it's kind of buyer beware in that situation. And I know that the city of San Luis Obispo proper has done a lot to protect mm -hmm. the, 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 the families that live next door mm -hmm. to the Cal Poly students. But my advice to people that are in the process of buying a home, because it is likely the biggest investment they'll ever make is read your forms, understand your forms and do the research, you know, hire somebody to, to go to the city, go to the county to do a little digging on the property. So your eyes are absolutely wide open of, of what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. That council can be so important. You mentioned like help you sell previously and how, they, I mean, some people trying to scrape by and save a few dollars. Uh, it's just, it, you're missing the boat there. It's nice to have good counsel. Um, I, I also have a quick question, Mike, because I know obviously litigation is after a problem happens. Um, and this seems like I get a lot of questions where folks will come into my office and say, you know, we're, we're, we're not related. We're not husband and wife, but we want to buy property together. And how do we protect ourselves? If it's a, if it's a, a partnership LLC, um, you know, setting up a, an operating agreement, things like that. Is that something that you can help out with and advise folks on on how to properly and legally set that up where everyone's protected? Absolutely. You know, one thing I always tell people that are going into business ventures, you know, uh, good fences build good neighbors, good contracts build good business partners. So if you're contemplating going into some business model, whether it be for the purchase of property or anything else, it's always best to articulate absolutely everything what people's duties are, what their rights are, what they're going to do, X, Y, Z, down to the period, so that when a dispute arises, there's a protocol to deal with that. Right. So, yeah, you know, buying a piece of property, you know, as an LLC is a great model to do it because you have flexibility. You could articulate what each party's doing, what they're paying, et cetera, et cetera. And you could also build in a protocol to deal with disputes. Right, right. Everyone always has the, the best expectations heading into those arrangements. And oftentimes, uh, not until something comes up where, you know, there's a death or there's something that happens. And then they realize, man, we should have uh, been a little bit more prepared. So it's nice to, to have that going in. Yeah, the handshake deals are very difficult, unfortunately, uh, to enforce at times. Because uh, truth is perspective often. It's a he said, she said. If it's a handshake uh, business deal, because you have one party that says, well, he's supposed to do this or she's supposed to do this. Right. And that is just ripe for litigation and right. dispute. But if you have a piece of paper that each party read, that each party contributed to, and each party signed, then it makes things a lot easier on the back end when things go south. Perfect. Brilliant. Yeah. 
the other one that we have come up from time to time that um, seems like it's probably relatively common, especially around here with the real eclectic building and zoning from one lot to the next. But sometimes, like one of my buddies recently bought a house where there's an outbuilding straddling the property line. Um, it, <laughs> it's kind of like a carriage house of yesteryear where literally it's like it's it's like 30 foot long building and half of it is on one owners and the other half is on the other owners and he bought this house and somehow or other appraisal didn't really bring it up didn't really address it but now he owns his house um so so truly like through our process it just never was made an issue it's like okay well you guys are gonna have that to manage and good luck because if you have trouble like for example let's say the roof starts leaking and the owner says, we got to come out and put this new roof on here. And I really want to do the yep. the big Spanish style with yep. the tiles. And he's like, man, I'm broke. I was thinking we'd throw a tarp over it. Um, and now here you go. Like you, you, you don't have a kind of a joint maintenance agreement to mm -hmm. do with this thing. Um, I just see that as a, a crazy thing. And it happens. Those kind of things happen a lot around here. Or your, your dude, your neighbor builds his fence and you come home from work and you're like, dang, dude, your fence is like, that's on my property. I'm telling you, you've got it wrong. I know this is my line. Mm -hmm. You're on it. You know, those, those issues. I, I, we actually had that happen across the street from where I live because we had two really tall trees that had that pine pitch cancer mm. thing, canker thing. And so they had to like take the trees down. But the problem was the trees both were right on the property line. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Well, you know, I mean, the owners obviously had to agree to take those trees down because a, they needed to come down and B, they were a danger to both houses. Right. So they, they just had to take it down. But the problem is, you know, just, well, who's paying for what? Because the trees are, they're they're right there so and both, i guess i'd know, say ideally right you don't need other. a lawyer right but <laughs> it doesn't always work that way it, it doesn't unfortunately the laws are really complex and in those scenarios you just brought up you know some of the first step to do is get a surveyor out there to properly address where the property line is so he knows who and when when there's you know vegetation and trees involved it gets real sensitive because some species are protected you can't touch them without a permit um, it's where the roots lay that determines who owns, whose tree it is. Those issues come up all the time. You got someone's tree that's knocking down someone's fence next door. Who's going to pay for it? Those things come up all the time. Yeah, and by the way, um, I've seen this happen before too. Uh, your fence doesn't necessarily denote your property line either. Let's say the previous owner put your fence up on your neighbor's property. And now that tree that you deem, you know, on his property or something is like, no, that's actually yours. You're just looking at the wrong, the fence, not the property line. Yeah. Well, these trees were like really, really tall. And so they were like um, in danger of coming down and there's a roadway in front. So, you know, they obviously had to come out, but who or there's houses right across the street. So. They had to come out, but it's like, who really is responsible for this? Yeah, whoever you know? has more money. Yeah, <laughs> they're here. <laughs> <laughs> no, not right. <laughs> not exactly the way. Oh, man. I feel like there's so many more topics that I am interested in exploring, but now I find that we're uh, running out of time here. Um, so I don't totally want to dive in anyone. Is, is there any 
thing that you were kind of itching to talk about today that you thought might be uh well i don't know uh the constituent of your listeners what mostly calls you get but um i would say that you know in today's world it gets very complex especially when you're dealing with real estate transactions that's why it's really important to rely on somebody that's a real estate professional yeah um if you're going to work with somebody you know check with the bre make sure their license is good um, and review your documents. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that'd be my parting advice to anyone that's in a real estate transaction at all. Review the documents. If you don't understand them, ask your real estate professional. If your real estate professional feels like they're giving legal advice, they get an attorney to look at it too. Right. Yeah. And you know, that that's a tough thing. Like we're even relying for, um, you know, like if you watch TV or listen to the radio, hear these big mortgage companies advertising what they do now is um, these transactions where it used to be such a pain in the butt, but now you do the application online. They need a copy of your paycheck stubs. You take a picture of it with your iPhone and you send the message over to the lender and you know the disclosures come out with an electronic signature box and um, We've been doing that too, because to be honest with you, people are really busy and a lot of people appreciate that convenience. But um, the thing I don't like about it is that I I used to have 100% of my clients into my office and they sat down across the table from me. And when we signed disclosures together, it's 40 pages of disclosures where I, I mean, it's been a little while since I've done this, but I, I still know it like it's yesterday because I, I use a specific order. There's some boilerplate stuff that we don't need to spend a lot of time on. They're a part of every disclosure package. Then there are the stuff that are very particular to you and your transaction. This is where the numbers are. This is the part where you do really need to pay attention. This is where I can point out to you the fact that we're in multiple places citing that you do not have a prepayment penalty, that your loan is not adjustable. If you make your payments on time, it your balance can't rise. All of those things that are very critical. And to be honest with you, when we send out the disclosures today by the DocuSign software, um, you can do it on your phone. You can't read mm-hmm. all of that stuff well on your phone, but you can sure sign it all real well. Mm-hmm. And I do, I worry that we're inviting um, another kind of round of degrading the quality of the transactions and the interactions of the players, but also that um, people might just, again, be signing and agreeing to things that they're not reading and comprehending. And... You know, that that's one of the things that always worries me is no matter what forms the government requires and no matter how well they police and enforce whether or not we're using them correctly, the most important part of it is that the people that receive these forms understand the significance of reviewing and understanding them, right? Absolutely. And, you know, and what you're talking about goes to a bigger issue too. You know, not too long ago, California instituted the California Electronic Transaction Act. So, you know, like if you get a new email address or you upload iTunes or something, you check the box, you've entered a contract. Uh You can be bound by that contract. Um, I've had a number of clients that that provide contracts electronically. You have to be very careful when you go online and you check the box or you say you agree to something. you got to review that because you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, but even still, I mean, and this is one of those problems is like, you know, it tells me there's something I'm trying to do. I check the movie times, okay? 
and it wants me to check this box to get this thing to check the movie times and um before i check the box it's 27 pages and it's like do you do you consent to this well any knucklehead with a brain could realize that i scrolled past 27 pages in like (laughs) 1.9 seconds and hit accept and consent so i'd I'd always think, I hope that the judge would look at that and go, it wasn't reasonable to believe this guy could possibly have reviewed and agreed to your terms. But I worry that I'm consenting to things that I don't understand. And because of that, how frequently we do that, it's sort of a benign act for most of us. Mm-hmm. That we just, we just consent. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Who cares? Email yeah. it to me. Sure, I'm going to read that later. Uh, we don't. We don't pay enough attention to that stuff. No, I agree. Um, you got to be careful. Yeah. Hey, all right. Well, we're we're getting on down to the end of it here. So I wanna I wanna just give some credentials here. If you want to get a hold of uh Michael Pick and and maybe like me, um explore little grievance that may or may not be an issue and may you know, I, I might I might leave today and start thinking about um this that you said I probably have a real issue and and I'm, I might dwell on that and, and eventually decide to give you a call. But if you're listening to today's conversation and you um, think you may have a similar grievance or know somebody that does that might need this counsel, um, you need to know how to get a hold of Michael. And so it's simple. It's Michael at picklawoffice.com. Um, P-I-C-K, of course, which is Michael's last name. So Michael at picklawoffice.com. You can call him at 541-1855 and then also on the web, picklawoffice.com. Michael, thanks very much for coming in today. Thank you. And and honestly, if nothing else, I'm really, I'm stoked to have your, you know, knowledge of you and be able to to have that in the the quip here for getting help. Um, I want to tell the rest of you guys too, we were talking earlier in the show about interest rates and mortgage insurance and and those kinds of things. If you um, have a scenario that you'd like to discuss, need some help from us, um, we're really low pressure uh, in terms of how the sales environment goes. We really want to be a resource and a service to you. So if you need that help, give us a call. The number is 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Uh, don't, you're, unless you do home loans for a living, you're not the expert. So don't disqualify yourself from the couch. Um, don't assume that you are qualified. Uh, and if you already have spoken with somebody else, uh, we're in the game of beating out the competition. So, um, you know, consider yourself savvy. You got friends in the mortgage business, get in touch with us, let us compete with the quote you have, um, or help you get on the road to home ownership. Uh, we're around to help you. We've got offices all around the County five, four, three loan rings them all. Additionally, you can go over to our website, centralcoastlending.com, and check it out there. All the resources are there, articles about rates, the Fed's announcement, things we were talking about earlier. We've also got guidelines about programs and credit scores and loan calculators, all that kind of stuff. If you think it could help you, go check it out. Of course, you'll also learn how to get a hold of us once you go there. Jason, thanks for helping me out today and giving Dan a day off. Michael, thanks for coming in today and providing all of the content. And... uh, We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Thank you all for being with us. Hope you have a great week.